was freaking out of. This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to do you our manager. Doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Always fun to talk to Jerry DePoto. The thing I took away most from today is probably going to surprise you a little bit um, because it's not the normal direction I think we tend to go with Jerry. But I, I heard it and it just kind of clicked with a few other things that I've heard recently and it kind of jumped off the page to me. So I'll do that in a sec. Brock, what jumped out to you as you listen to Jerry? That They don't change. We change. We get ramped up. They cannot change. And I love it. It kind of piggybacks on something Scott said yesterday. You played this and need to know already but i i like it and I'll, I'll i'll dive in further and add a little jerry insight with it as well this was scott talking about the game yesterday the importance of it and the importance of winning this series you know it was a series that we needed to win um didn't start off that great when we let the game monday night get away from us but credit to our guys um we just show up every day and uh, get ready to compete whatever the game calls for we have a group that really responds to that so uh, we need a day off it's been 13 consecutive days. It has been a grind through that road trip. Need a day off, and the Dodgers coming in and looking forward to the excitement and energy that will be in the ballpark here over the weekend. Uh, we need it. We need everything our fan base can, can bring and, and muster and uh, our guys feed off it. By the way, speaking of that, series starts tomorrow. So Saturday and Sunday sold out. Tomorrow night, actually, still a couple of tickets. So if you want to go, they got the whole drone show and all that. Tomorrow's going to be, you know, Kirby on the mound, Dodgers in town, Friday night baseball. Still some tickets. So that's probably the one you want to try to get over to. Very good. So that's your only shot. Sold out all weekend long. Place is going to be rocky. And remember early on with Jerry and Scott, uh, a lot of the conversation that we want to be hard to play against. Right, we want to be hard to play against. These teams that you've competed against and you've seen them, you're like, oh my gosh, I hate playing the Astros. Mm-hmm. This team that's coming in, I hate playing the I hate playing the Braves. Like they just grind on you and they're so hard to play against. I love the little kind of byline to that, and that is whatever the game calls for, we can do. It's different than you and me on a golf course. Okay. There's only certain things you and I can do. Right. If we're going to play certain courses or requires this shot, we don't got it. I can't make that shot. Like we're not good enough. Elite golfers, whatever the course calls for, whatever my lie calls for. We said earlier, we got to get the lie out of the divot, not those guys. Yep. Whatever the shot calls for, the elite golfers get it done. And it just strikes me with this team, maybe even more so than last year, Salk. Maybe it's just because of the exuberance of the ride to the playoffs, but it strikes me how this team, and it parallels what Jerry said, like, no. No, they don't see these final 16 any different. They know that the game may call for scoring eight runs. They may know the game may be a 1-0 shutout. They may know it's going to be a high-leverage bullpen. They may know it's going to take a clutch basis. Like, whatever the game calls That's for. Good. It's a good observation. Yeah, I, I think that they've been able to do that in, in a lot of different ways this year. Well, and because they've built their team in a few with a few different types of players. So they can it's not pivot, just one right? guy. So yeah. they can pivot to whatever the game. Well, we need certainly... speed on the base pass late? We got that. <laughs> right? Do we need a little power bat that can run into a home run at Mike Ford? We got that. Do we need, right? Do we need this kind of arm? Do we need yeah. this kind of well, just, and, and honestly, what they have is the kind of a lineup that, that honestly, if they can make the playoffs, 
tends to have some success, right? Ridiculous starting pitching can run into a home run now and again. Like there are some, there are some, yeah. And yeah. and, and it's Which is why Dusty Baker was low scoring games. <laughs> it's why Dusty Baker yeah, he, was he, he telling part of them. Mr. Verducci weeks ago that we got to get Brantley back because yeah. that team up in Seattle is going to be a bear to deal with. Honestly, the thing that jumped out to Jerry and people are going to kind of get annoyed at me for saying this, but I'll do it anyway. Um, because I, I don't think we spend not enough time on it for obvious reasons was his answer about what's going on in the minor leagues right now. It's pretty significant. I don't know if you looked at that lineup for Modesto. Think about what he just said. The guy who hit the walk-off hit for Modesto, who's stacked, by the way, in their playoff game, is a couple of weeks out of high school. And he's one of, like, five guys on that team. When you look at the roster, you're like, oh, this guy is a huge draft pick, and this guy's a big prospect, and this is going to be a big thing. They've built some real depth all of a sudden in the low uh, part of their minors. Right now, the, your upper minors is a little tapped out. It's true, right? You've, you've really gone into that group in order to help you at the major league level in the last two years. But there's a huge wave of dudes coming from single A all the way up to double, and that's probably three different levels. And that's, uh, that is pretty darn exciting. I spent some time and, and talked yesterday or recently to a, um, to a, a, somebody else in baseball, not, not, not with the Mariners, but somebody who's not always complimentary of them. And the one thing that he said to me is that that team has their development working at a place it's never been before. That this is the best Mariner developmental system it's ever been. That there are dudes coming, they're doing a good job, better job with pitching than hitting. That that still is their, you know, their 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 better, the thing they're best at. That's their strength. Yep. But that what they're doing on the hitting side is really impressive too. And that they've got a lot of dudes. And yep. it, when you see somebody like um, like uh, Marte last week make it in Cincinnati and come out and start hitting right off the bat. That's a credit to their organization. And when Arroyo gets up with them, yeah, it'll be a little frustrating at times Mm -hmm. that you traded those guys away. But, you know, you got Luis Castillo back and people will say, all right, well, it matters, right? You got guys. That system did a good job developing them. Cincinnati finishes it off. And if you're going to trade with the Mariners, you get major leaguers. And if those guys are going to make it up to the to the bigs here, you know that they've done a pretty good job developing them. So you made those moves. It's not nothing. No, you made those moves to make that run to the playoff last year. And in, in doing so, before this season or what have you, most of the baseball prospect and all the other sites had you like mid-20s farm system, right? Because you let go of some of your best pieces. Well, uh, they redid that at the All-Star break. It was like uh, high teens. And I'm going to figure that when this thing is all said and done, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be quite single digits, mm. but that development has been just critical and crucial. And it will be moving forward because if you want to be the Braves and you want to be the Astros and you want yeah, you, you need do your you need your young you blood to come it. up and be different. Now here's the one thing I will disagree with Jerry on. I'm sorry, the last 16 games are different, and, and I appreciate his desire to try to keep them the same, and I understand what he's trying to say, but they're not the same, and they can't be managed the same. They can't be played the, exactly fully, the same. Fully agree with you. You've got to find a way to still pl- make it just baseball and make it feel normal for the guys. For the guys while all at the same time making some decisions and doing some things differently. And as a fan, I know I'm watching them differently. It means different things to me here with the last 16 because every move gets magnified, every decision made by the manager, every time you're not paying attention or you make an error or you forget the outs. Like 
All of those things that you can kind of forgive over the course of 162 become magnified and unforgivable. It's the time to be a hero, not a goat. And remember, folks, okay, Labor Day sale all month long at Top Fitness. So if you need cardio and you want to put your treadmill by the TV, maybe that's the answer. You get to the six-inning tight said. game, go go get your pull your treadmill out. Lots or, of cardio. You know, bring your computer to your treadmill. You can look just like Jerry. That's right. A lot, a lot of cardio to help you in those Scampa moments. Scampa All right. Coming up uh, in 20 minutes, Brock, uh, I received some responses that I think you need to hear before we do that. We'll give you everything you need to know next. I'm Brock and Saul. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Saul. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, Mariners do have an off day today, as Jerry DePoto told us, as Scott told us, as our eyes told us they needed it. It was nice to them for them to just be able to go in on a nice note. You get the win yesterday. Also good to hear from Jerry that we should be seeing Jared Kelnick as soon as they get back, that he was actually available yesterday if needed to pinch hit. So good to see Jared back, uh, I would hope, tomorrow. And how about the irony of that, right? You come back, and in the, what, first game back, you immediately drill a ball right off the same foot. You no, just, different foot. Or other different foot, foot, excuse me. Yes, right. So you get So yep. they both feet get to hurt at the same right. time. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> yes. um, but good news, then. They needed the win yesterday. They found a way to get it done. It wasn't like the prettiest win of the year. It was just one of those, as, as Scott said, just get it done. Just find a way to win that game. And they got a couple of clutch hits when they needed to. And their bullpen... You know, their bullpen was good, but it's funny. Their bullpen got a couple of extra outs. Good on Justin Topa. He didn't have his best stuff yesterday. Came up with a pickoff. And then mm-hmm. good on Cal Raleigh for helping yep. out Munoz and throwing a guy out to end the game. That's not something you see very often, but it was pretty darn sweet at the same time. Phillips to lead the stretch. Runner goes, pitch on the way, a strike. The throw down a second by Cal. The tag. He's out at second. The ball game is over. Cal Raleigh throws out. Brett Phillips trying to steal here in the top of the ninth inning. Such a cool moment, and at the heart of it all was Luis Castillo, who once again just does his thing, goes six innings. Scott's pretty impressed with his guy. Awesome job, Um, Luis Castillo. He has been the rock. He's put together just an unbelievable season after doing what he did last year to to lead us into the playoffs, and uh, it's about as consistent as you can get. I think that's really the the thing that stands out for me with uh, Castillo is just he's literally the rock. He is a the epitome of consistency goes out there, challenges guys, gets after it, and then you know when you take a lead to go out and you know take care of business there, give us one more inning in the six was huge. Very clear to me today, Salk, that he is the Rock. Like not not just we we know that nickname, but that's all they call him. That's all Jerry called him. Every he didn't call him Luis. He didn't call him Castillo. Every single time it is the Rock. And Titus yesterday, he and I are driving to football practice, and uh, he's watching the game uh, on the app, and and he's like. Do you remember Castillo back in February or March at spring training when we were down there? And I'm like, oh my gosh, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Eight months of this. Eight months. He was in the dugout doing the towel drills. I'm like, yeah, bro, it is a long, long journey. And I'm glad you brought that up. And it it was some of the conversation last year. Can this guy be focused for 30 plus starts? Because that had not necessarily been on his resume in Miami or in Cincinnati, but man, has it ever been. And I thought yesterday, he ended up 97, 98 early in that game. Unbelievable. He, he knows what's at stake. 
He knows that finish line's in front of him. Yeah, he's been pretty tremendous. Meanwhile, the uh, Rangers are going to be without Max Scherzer here. Speaking of aces, the rest of the way, he only pitched in eight games for them since the deadline when he was acquired. Team won five of those eight starts, but he is now shut down for the year. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, speaking of shutdown, that is Abraham Lucas here for a little while. He goes to IR yesterday, and Charles Cross didn't practice yesterday, so you may very well be looking at a game or more without either of your starting tackles. Does that mean Jason Peters is ready to go? Eh, it could be a little bit. He's such a remarkable player. I mean, look at his film from last year. You can't tell how old he is. Uh, he played really well and, and uh, played a couple different spots and showed flexibility there. He's, you know, he's a long-term uh, left tackle uh, you know and and uh but the flexibility is there and and his feet were beautiful okay he saw about a handful of plays out here he looked pretty darn good today i mean just tell you he looked quick and, and light on his feet <laughs> that's a good thing he's insurance uh some specifics on that abe lucas put on ir that means he's out for four games you're not going to see him and throw in the bye week so it's going to be a good five-week rest they tried Salk during training camp to settle the patellar issue down. It's not a tear. It's not a, a surgery. It's just, it's just an ache. It's just a, a, a tendonitis and one of the itises that is just bothering it. And hopefully this five weeks of rest will let him get back. But we're not going to see him. So it will be a whole bunch of Jake Curhan over there. Picked up a couple guys off practice squads uh, from Tampa and from Vegas. Also is insurance. But I do think, man, going into Sunday, as Burkhart said, a lot of eyes will be on those tackles. you got to block. Aiden Hutchinson, and that, I think, off the jump will be Stone Forsyth and it will be Jake Curhan. Great news, Devin Witherspoon, full participant. Hmm. Full, not limited. Okay. I want to see that full guy play, man. I, I want to see what this is all about because I know what I'm going to be doing tonight. Here's the third thing you need to know. I'm going to be watching Jalen Carter as he suits up for Philadelphia coming off of an unbelievable first week in the NFL. Philly was good, not maybe great, not as good as they were cracked up to be in week one. So they'll be looking to show that that was just an aberration. And Minnesota was not good at all. So uh, kind of an intriguing first Thursday night short week matchup tonight. Yeah, Minnesota Um, a little bit like Seattle. Yeah. Right, I think most people, if you had like those pick 'em contests or Survivor Series or whatever they are, like okay, I got Baker Mayfield, I got this Tampa team going beat up, going up to Minnesota. That place, that place is a madhouse on opening week. I got the Rams, all these rookies, youngest team in the league, going up to Seattle, and, and both Minnesota, Seattle didn't get it done, and now staring down the barrel of Philly for Minnesota and at Detroit, sold out, rocking Detroit for the Seahawks. I'm going to say one of the two is going to be 0-2 to begin this season, and I hope it's not your Seahawks. That is everything you need to know a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Um, I did take your everyone's advice yesterday because there was a lot of beard conversation, and everyone said, yeah, there was some beard conversation because I've been growing this thing out a little bit, and then Justin Uh told me to kind of shave from like the Adam's apple down right right like the top yeah. of the adam's apple so i think i might have gone a little higher than that because i did it right at the top of the maybe i have a low adam's apple i always say it's like if you're resting your chin or your table your uh chin on a table whatever yeah, below maybe that's i went the... too high i, I think you did i can't really see a shadow there yeah. you're fine it doesn't look weird i don't i don't like the way it looks would you ever go know. laser of my neck? Yeah, I, there's a colleague of mine at ESPN. No. I'm not going to say whom. Be very popular. No. Lasered his neck. No. Does it start so, with a B and end with a rock? I, I'm not going to say no. 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 <laughs> it starts like with a, a B and ends with a rock. But I, there's no, I don't think that's something I would ever have any you interest in. You never do in. that? All right. 
right. No, because I want the ability to be able to, you know, go in and sure, out. And have some, Adams yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah. I told you, I tried with the back. I tried to make it work, and unfortunately, all the hair came back, so the okay. laser just didn't take for me. All four laser companies said, we can't deal with this, man. Right. Three hairs per pour. It is just beyond our hey, technology. I'm basically <laughs> looking for a new endorsement. So if any if any laser company thinks that you can actually, like, if you can solve this problem, you win. You're the greatest laser company in the world, right? Like, I took other lasers, and the hair just came back, like, double. I, was just I think like, we're oh. talking about, I think we're. Like cockroaches. Well, I think it's got to be, like, military. I think we've got to go military grade of lasers. Yeah. I think yeah. so. I think that's about it. <laughs> Sharks with lasers, something like that. All right, Brock, uh, I need to read you some responses. Uh-oh. Because I know you think that I'm stubborn. I know you think I can just get my dander up and start fighting. And sometimes it's true. Like, I'm, I'm not saying it's not never true but sometimes i'm willing to listen and i saw some stuff yesterday some of it was ridiculous and some of it wasn't so i'm gonna have to read it to you and see your response next brock and salk sales sports on 710 salesports.com you're listening to brock and salk powered through the alaska airline studio seattle sports and the seattle sports app Matt in Oregon has sneaky become our best texter, Brock. He's tremendous. He's sneaky become our best texter. Before you read his text, I got to get some off. He's right. like the new Carlos Spicy Wiener. He's, like really he's, good. he's in that category. I got to get some off my chest. Is it hair? You <laughs> <laughs> already did that more. He lays He just wanted to admit it. No. I don't have a real hairy chest. <clears throat> no. no, no, no. I just want to say that. Uh, do you like tortillas? Where, what just happened? Yes. You know, I'm trying to just read you a quick text before we dig into the actual part of this, okay, fine. Uh, the segment. Read the t- okay. And you're asking me about tortillas? Well, answer the question, jerk, has just stirred this up in me. That's, that's what happens when we do Who answer the question, like jerk. Right. Of well, course I like tortillas. I'm not okay. a communist. Well, I'm just going to tell you that uh, Mission, they make a lot of those tortillas at the store. They have figured out how to make the best zero carb, zero sugar little tortilla. Really? <laughs> Usually they're garbage, right? They fall apart. Terrible. Horrible. Terrible. Yeah. I am just telling it's you like and the people before you get to Matt and Oregon, do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. They're tremendous. Yeah. So that's right. it. Why don't okay. you see if you can hang? Because now I don't even want to read Matt and Oregon. Like, you can't we... interrupt no. a quick thing like yeah. Matt and Oregon's yeah. text about yes, my I hair. Yes, I can. All right. Well, he just said we need the great minds on this. <laughs> Heck with terraforming Mars. We need a laser powerful enough to tame Salt's hair. So yes, anyway, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's oh, very shout nice. Shout out to Matt for coming out to the Portland Pickles game, too. That I know. That's your very, guy. He's right? very funny in, in person as well. So I wrote about Pete Carroll uh, two nights ago, Brock, and put yep. it up yesterday and kind of got it out yesterday and received a lot of response on it. And I don't I wouldn't say necessarily that I wrote a defensive Pete. It was more trying to, like, come to terms with how people are really pointing the finger at him as soon as things go awry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they're entirely wrong. I mean, some of it is, look, he's the only one left. There's no rust to point at. And that's part of the argument that I made. Some of it, though, is I think some of Pete's best skills are ones that don't necessarily lend themselves to being visible. I think that they're incredibly valuable, but they're not necessarily as visible. And so his weaknesses maybe jump off the page a little bit more. But Mm -hmm. I got a lot of response, and I think some of it is garbage, and some of it is really worth reading and considering. So, I mean, I got one that says, well, he's past his prime. Time to move on. Like, all right, I don't think that's valuable. I don't think that contributes to the debate, and I just think it's silly. Like, he's not past his prime, 
right? I mean, maybe he had a prime that once was better, but like Pete's in good shape. He knows what he's doing. He's mentally there. I don't yes. buy any of that stuff about he's gotten too old. So I toss that away. Yep. But one that says, I strongly disagree with you, Salk. Anger's not the right word, but the majority in Seattle media are missing the fact that Carroll and the coaching staff are being outcoached. McVay ran circles around him on Sunday. The terrible starts on defense several several years in a row are coaching problems. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's correct, but I don't know that I can argue against it either. Yeah, that is such a strong, when you say, oh, I'll coach. To me, that's so strong. Like, you better have tremendous amount of evidence if you're going to kind of make that indictment and throw that kind of judgment on somebody. What does out coach mean? I does, think does, in this case, what does they're he saying not, does, is Does he not have his personality? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Out schemed? Sure. Out coached? Out coached is hard because that brings in a lot of the other well, stuff. The only that- problem with it, just for this Sunday, and I don't think it's necessarily true in general. But I think for this Sunday, if you're going to say that he was out-schemed and his own players are going to say, we weren't prepared, we didn't prepare the way we needed to, we got yep. out-efforted in the game. Yep. yep. I mean, like, yeah, I think that's a fair comment for this Sunday. That's right. I don't know if it's a fair comment in general about Pete Carroll. I don't think I would go there in general. Yes, we him. spent some time earlier in the week, and I think even in this conversation, that uh, these some of these young whippersnappers offensively, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, in particular, Steve Sarkeesian's on that tree at the collegiate level, that they are the best. They're, they're, with Andy Reid right now, the best going. And their job is to create all these matchups and one-on-ones. And if you were to pin me down and say, hey, okay, look at this scheme versus this scheme. Look at this defensive call versus this offensive call. Which is a better chess move? Sean McVay made many more of them. So I'm, I'm not going to flush that one at all. Mm-hmm. And I have said repeatedly, you disagree with me, and that's okay. That to me, I think Clint Hurt is under as much pressure as anybody, if not more than anyone not, in that building. I'm not disagreeing with that. No. He's got to manage personnel. He's got to coax Jamal Adams back to a new position when he comes back at linebacker. Maybe some of all of this, oh, our secondary is so good, finding a role for them. Maybe that's gone away a little bit with on-the-field performance, both preseason and certainly week number one. Those guys got to go do their job and cover much, much better. But I think I think Clint Hurt is in and under a lot of pressure to make sure his schemes give his guys as much opportunity as McVay's crew did the other day. Well, and, and I'll admit just seeing the fact that you and KJ spent some time on this yesterday, I got to tell you, like one thing you said, I don't know if I would say it bothers me, but it certainly surprised me. This was uh, this was you and, and KJ talking about the 3-4, the bear front that they were supposedly switching to. I don't think I saw one bear front. They ran 4-3. They ran nickel and they ran base. Yep. They, they brought Kobe Bryant in on nickel and then they brought Devin Bush when it was yep. him, Jordan, and Bobby. And uh, we didn't see it. And I'm kind of glad we didn't see it. <laughs> Are you sure? Because whenever we saw it, it didn't work all that well. <laughs> no, I, no, it, it worked fine. It worked fine in the run game. Okay. It, and it's going to work. Um, I liked what I saw. You don't have the guys to do it, Brock. Um, yeah. You don't have the depth to do it. And so a really good call by being multiple. Have it, have it, you got the bare front in your back pocket. Yeah. If you need it, and when it presents itself, you have it in your back pocket. I, I guess I just remain confused by this whole thing. Doesn't matter how many times it's explained to me. Why did you change to a 3-4 that wasn't a 3-4? Couldn't find personnel for your 3-4, but got some personnel for your 3-4? Like only thing? to go back to your 4-3? Like, what in the world are we talking about? I just don't get it. Yeah, you've got to flush some of your old school Harry Carson, uh, Lawrence Taylor, three four out of your mind. You have to do that. 
you have to flush that thought of the old Pittsburgh Steelers and, and the old Patriots with, uh, with their 400 pound nose tackle. That, that was a 3-4. That was a distinctly different scheme between a 3-4 and a 4-3. That required distinctly different humans to play the five technique, right? Over the tackle and tight end and a distinctly different nose tackle. Flush that out of your brain. Flush it. Flush it right now. Give me a, give me a toilet flush sound. Uh, flush that because that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about last year was playing this odd front where you did, where you did add an extra lineman in there. And now Salk, like your Mariners, you've got to be versatile enough to play any kind of game. So when you play the 49ers and some of this is, 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 is to counter, right? What the 49ers do and, and some of their run game. And you've got to be willing to get big. You've got to be able to have Mario Edwards and Jaron Reed and Dre Jones with two active edge players to stop some of their stuff. But then when you play a Rams team that's largely all 11 personnel, what do you got to be able to do? Play nickel, right? We got to be able to get into this front. So you've got to be multiple. And I think that's the key. I think that's where some of your confusion comes in is it's no, like this I mean, hard and I'm fast. I'm starting to understand that there's that difference, but I, it, it just feels like you went out. Thank, thank you. you. You went out and, and got like, well, Clint Hurd is here because he understands right. this type of a defense. And then we got this guy because they've done this in the past and like, I just, no, I think that no. And again, in between, man, there I, is maybe there, I'm crazy. It feels no, you're between. not. You're, you're not crazy. There is absolutely like a lot of these. And hopefully we can get to a few more responses. There is some truth in these. You know, I say flush the three, four, that old school three, four. But I won't flush that. Hold on a second. Didn't you draft Cam Young in the fourth round? Hold on a second. Didn't you bring Clint Hurd in? Hey, hold on a second. Didn't Pete say a bunch last year? Like, no, no, no. We're going to stick to this. We're down this road. So all of that is fair. Okay. But I think some of the answer coming out of it was. We better be multiple. Good. Well, I, I like multiple. Just be better at the whole multiplicity yep. and that. All right. The other one I got here, and this is from, uh, you know, the guy Rob Statenu, who will occasionally. Yeah. Uh, Over there know, in uh, He's in, in England and, mm-hmm. and does a nice job with the Seahawks draft blog. Anyway, he had a, a completely different take on this. I don't know if he wrote this before me, after me. I'm not sure. But I he wrote it and, and sent it over to me. And I think there's some interesting points in here. Again, I don't know that I agree with all of it, but there's some stuff in here I can't really argue with. So his is called Five Reasons Why the Seahawks Criticism Isn't an Over reaction and one the defense has been really bad for a number of years yeah he's right like I, I can't argue about that number two has the game changed and this is what you brought up yesterday or two days ago Brock looking at the last five uh Super Bowl teams or Super Bowls and saying that nine of the ten coaches in those games come from the offensive side of the ball the other being Bill Belichick five mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. with Tom Brady with Tom Brady Yes. Yeah. Patriots Rams. Uh huh. So, okay. That's an argument. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's an, I, that one doesn't quite sway me. I would rather zag a little bit when everybody zigs, but okay. Yep. This is the one that has really stuck with me. And I'm not, I, I, I certainly, not only do I not have a response, I think it's dead on accurate. It says Seattle's playoff record is poor. Pete Carroll and John Schneider are quick to reference that the team have been consistently competitive during their tenure. But the reality is they've also been also Rams since their last Super Bowl appearance nearly a decade ago. Since 2015, they've won three playoff games. That includes the Blair Walsh miss kick, a victory over the Lions at home, and a win against the Eagles where 40-year-old Josh McCown played most of the game. Three playoff wins in eight seasons. Since the initial reset in 2018, they've won just one playoff game. 
And then he goes and looks through the other uh, playoff, the other teams in the in the NFC West, and kind of what they've done, specifically San Francisco and mm-hmm. and and L.A., who have been to Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Here's the last paragraph. The Seahawks have averaged 9.7 wins per season since 2015. That's great. They've consistently avoided being a horrible team, but it's hard to argue they've ever been a great team in this period. They've not been a serious contender. And their playoff record proves that. It feels like they're stuck in the majority middle section of the league. They're never terrible, but they've not been a heavyweight contender since 2014, unlike the Rams and Niners. Mm-hmm. I could argue that they're better than the majority middle. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that's unfair. I, don't, I think they've been better than that. I mean, we go through all the numbers. And well, they many, drafted in the 20s for all those right. years I mean, for like, a reason. They've been so. better than just in the middle. Correct. But the last part, they've not been a heavyweight contender since 2014. I can't argue with that. So is is the math three and eight then in playoffs since that Super Bowl? If they've won three and they've been in it eight times, is it fair to say they're yeah. three and eight mm-hmm. in the playoffs since then? And those three wins, as he characterized there, were, yeah, awfully, yeah, two awfully. of them were weak, and one of them was uh, that Detroit game at home where Rawls just ran wild. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, last year, and it's why last year was so hyper, hyper critical. I mean, last year was a year of judgment because maybe they did. And I think Pete in some ways said it to us a few different times. They compromised. They may have compromised in 18 and 19. Now in 20, that COVID year, they were also 12 and 4, mm-hmm. right? And you sure felt like there was more. And unfortunately, a bad loss at home to the Rams in that playoff game stings. Jared Goff gets out, backup QB, and you can't find a way. That's the one that really stings. But I think that's also the one that finally said, okay, we've got to, we've got to turn it over. Right, we've got to we've got to move on from Bobby. We got to move on from Russ. We got to move on here sooner rather than later. And last year's rookie class went a long ways mm-hmm. to build your core. Yeah, I think looking at that that argument of have they been a heavyweight contender? I think he's right. They really haven't been during that time. In 2015, I would say they still were. That was the Cam holdout year and coming off the 2014 Super. Like that's that, the fact that that actually might have been Pete's best coaching job and of his entire career. They were still right there as a heavyweight contender at that point. But more recently, no, they weren't. And they kind of got away from it for a while, and they were good, not great. Mm-hmm. I think they did sort of press another reset button, though, with the with you know removing Russ a year ago. Yep. And because they were so much better than expected last year, I to me, that balances out some of the frustration. Yes, I understand. I'm not disagreeing with any of those arguments. I just think, again, they're balanced out by what Pete showed without Russell Wilson. Because we heard a lot of these arguments about Russ. Why won't Pete do this for Russ? Pete's old-fashioned. He's a fuddy-duddy. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to be offensive. If he would just let Russ cook, everything would be fine. Well, that was untrue. Yep, It was flat-out untrue. Russell went somewhere else and cooked and absolutely burnt everything. It was awful. He nearly burnt the whole kitchen to the ground last year in Denver. Well, they did. Meanwhile, they had Pete, to fire the whole staff. Meanwhile, Pete ended up going <laughs> to the playoffs with Geno Smith, a career backup. Yep. So I, I, well, I'll say I'm this, man. Very hesitant. I will say this as you're unwinding this right and spinning this tale. Two guys come to my mind that are going to be hyper hyper critical, and you becoming a heavyweight. Two guys come right into the forefront because for a bunch of those years you draft in the twenties. This is the way the league works. Unless you want to, unless you, unless hold on, unless you want to go all in, right? Unless you want to do that mortgage farm and and go all in and then pay, you know, the piper as the Rams did last year and likely are going to do this year. 
The league is hard. The league is built with their schedule, with their draft picks to keep you, right? To keep everybody around that mark. But then when you get a gift of the number five pick in the draft and you get a gift of being what would be what, a five and 13 team, five and 12 team, you get that gift. That guy has got to be yeah. a pro bowler. Absolutely. That guy has got to be the centerpiece. Wow. And Can Devin, he be a centerpiece at the, at that position? I think that's still a realistic was question. Was Richard Sherman? Was Champ Bailey? Were, are the elite, you know, the elite guys? Not as much as the guys up front. I just think the guys up front are more important. So I don't know. It's something that we're still going to be watching and trying to figure out. And hopefully he gets out and plays this week and we get a good view of what Devin Witherspoon really looks like. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Oh, Brock, you're going to love today's ranked. This one has you written all over it. It has a whole last conversation written all over it. You know what else we need to rank? Like those tortillas, oh like God. the best healthy food. Just Can we do like a series next week? No, next week. Mora, no, 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 Mora. Next week, you and I were going to come up with like the best now substitutes because there are a few substitutes that actually taste really good. So we'll do that next week. Tortillas are homemade with lard. Substitutes next week. Yep, sounds okay. great. There substitutes we go. ranked. I am on the edge of my seat. Okay, can't, what do we have today? What do we got? What do we got? Faith Brock. Nice. Oh, ye little faith. Today we have faith for you, little grasshopper. Today uh, is all oh, about faith, oh, like Faith funny. Hill. There you go. There's a little My Faith Hill for you. For yeah, she likes that. Oh. And Faith Evans. As I like to call them, the two faiths. Do you know how good Faith Hill was in 1883, that series? Oh, she was, she's very good. Though. She was so good. They're both great. They were great. I definitely have to think each time, like, which one's Faith Hill, which one's Faith Evans. Like, oh. I got to, like, think about that. Oh, that's, oh come that's on, a shame. Mike. What do you mean? Oh, just, they have similar names. Mike. To think about it. No, Mike, it's not like that one's at all. One's like an R&B artist that was married to Biggie, and one's, one's a, a country, country artist singer. married to Well, I know. To I just McGraw. have to think about which one is which. Like, okay, which one is, which name is which? No, Mike, no. I don't think they look alike. I just, like, have difficulty remembering the two names. Of course, you got movies, TV, you got things like, the remember the show Hope and Faith was on for a while. Steve Martin was in Leap of Faith. Mm, that's a weird that's one. pretty funny. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird movie. Goofy. Ed Norton and Ben Stiller and uh, what's her name from Greg and Dharma, I think, were in uh, Keeping the Faith. That movie's actually pretty funny. You ever seen that? It's a funny movie. No. It's, it's worth your time. It's worth your time. I'm glad you only look at Justin when you ask that question. Yeah, see, I, yeah, I, I didn't think you would. Brock, here's, here's one for you. Oh, come, all oh, be faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Two and a half, not even two and a half months from Christmas. Nuts. Is that real? Christmas is just over two months. That's kind of crazy. Two for Brock, really early. That's good. I know. I, I appreciate that. Here's a little Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, Brock's and Bon Jovi from the album Keep the Faith. You said it's a good video too, Bart. Who cannot oh, so talk good. crap? 
crap about pop oh. artists like Beyonce and Taylor not Watch being me. like. Watch me. Bon Jovi's fun, but that is just that I mean, she's pop just, music too. They're not warrants. Oh my god. Sorry, here's a little King's Axe from the album Faith, Hope, Love. What's the greatest of those, Salt? Oh, that's a great song. Greatest What's the greatest of those? Greatest of Faith, what? Hope, and Love. Uh, <laughs> hope. Love. Love. God. Love is the greatest of <laughs> them all. Everyone knows that. Sting will tell you. Little Sting. He made love like his his entire world for a while, from what I understand. He made Behind love his whole world. Yes, he's pretty good at it. it. Spent a lot of time Salt on it. Really wanted that song in here. He asked Justin I like, for it. I like, like that four song. Today. He got Faith by Bon Iver, Faithful from Pearl Jam, Keeping the Faith, Billy Joel, Faith from the Weekend. God, there's so many yeah, of these. Justin, you had a bunch that you remember. Uh, faith in the Knife, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, and Fear scary and Faith. Kids, scary kids. Circus Survive, Faith When I Let You Down, Take It Back Sunday. There's a lot of good emo songs that got Faith in it, but we're not going to play those. Not all of them. Nope. Any athlete with Faith in so. the name? Couldn't come up with any. There is the Above and Beyond podcast, which, of course, is the intersection of Faith and Sports. Woo! Yes, sir. And then, Brock, were you a Murphy Brown fan ever? No, not really. Really? Do you remember, no. uh, do you remember Corky? Corky Sherwood Forrest. Yes. Yeah. She was played by Faith Ford. Oh, of course. course All right. Let's get to the top five. Top five Faiths. Number five. British supergroup Blind Faith. One of like the very first supergroups. Yeah. yeah. That's a top five. Clapton, Stevie Winwood, right? Yeah. A couple other folks. A couple other. That's a, like late 60s. Yeah. Blind Faith. Huge supergroup. Late 60s. That's number five. Brock's upset about that one. I'm sorry. Come I on. feel it's a little rich. I don't yeah, think so. No. I mean, when you look at that band, that no big deal. Number four. George Michael with Faith. I just watched the George Michael documentary on Netflix. How is it? Or it's a prime one of them. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, pretty good. Well, it's a, it's about Wham. It's not about George Michael, but obviously that's cover the other guy. Big part. Yep, it does. I really enjoyed it. Really? Mm-hmm. A long-distance runner by the name of Faith. I'm going to butcher the last name. She's Kenyan. But, um, yep, she has the okay. middle and long-distance records out there. Cool. 1,500 meters, mile, 5,000. Oh do you even love sport? This segment is just like... I mean, do you even love sport? What are the most random things we can Google? I mean, all I had to Google was an athlete with the name Faith. I Google things. You know who we did yes, leave out, do. though? Credit to my dad, Marianne Faithful. Probably should have had that one in there. Yeah, yeah that's a big miss. Shoot. But while you're using the word faithful, number four... Number three. Oh, yes. Come on. Come on. Come on, Journey. Come on. Bring it home. That's a good one. There you go. Faithfully from Journey. Number three in Faith's Ranked. Have you ever thought about this? Their new singer, right, filling in is what, Filipino? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and like he just listened to his stuff and, and like born in the Philippines and just has become this unbelievable talent. Does He's it make been you there think? for a whole lot longer, I know. right? Than, than for, does it Perry make you think was? how many others around the globe <laughs> have really. that gift to sing? Like, oh, there are. And no, it makes it doesn't me make think. me think about it. Like in, in Antarctica right now, there may be somebody that could sing better than You Rush. know what? Justin and I were just watching a video of Gwar playing in Antarctica, right. and I would put them right in the same category as, as Steve Perry and Journey. <laughs> <laughs> Brock, you're right. Thank you for bringing that home. You're right. You're welcome. Gwar in Antarctica. You're absolutely right. You're worried about the tortilla, but now I bring it up. Number two. Uh, 
favorite SNL performance of all time. Faith No More doing Epic on Saturday Night Live. That's a pretty good riff right there, bro. It's a great album, by the way. There are these two albums, this one and the one after it, are both really, really good start to finish. Faith No More was great for a little while and kind of like set the stage for a lot that would come after them. Yeah, they're progressive, funky. Brought some of their, like, well before, like, any of the rap core. They were sort of mixing those styles. Progressive. But then they could play, too. Like, they do a great version of War Pigs. It's really good. Beyonce got any song with Faith in it? I don't don't know. You could say without uh, Faith No More, we might not have number one. Is that what we could say? I would say that without Faith No More, there's a very good chance we never would have had this. Well, it takes a song, man, baby, I'm showing you that door. Rock gonna Durst. Uh, Brock, when you're ranking yes. faiths, <laughs> wow. I know there's a lot of faiths out there in the world, but yeah. number yeah. one <laughs> among wow. all of them wow. is Limp Biscuits. Yep. Faith. I was excited yeah. for that, and then the rest of the rank was so horrible, I can't even be happy that you played that. <laughs> Maura, I think she wanted scary kids scaring kids in here and sort of survived Maura. mostly. Ye of little faith. It's true. It's got to happen. Just remember faith, hope, hope, and love. And the greatest of them is love. Faithless Rush. True Faith, New Order. There's, there's a few more. You guys had enough. You think you we're have, done? We've all had enough. Do you have faith in Jalen Carter tonight? <laughs> That's a good question. It's a fair question. Well, it takes a song, man, Give me a little more. Give me a little more. Here we go. All right, we got to go. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, the hey. Oh, uh, barn, barn. See everybody. Get to the chopper!